0: Hey everyone! Welcome to Bombing in the AM with Scoops and the Not Wolf, because the Wolf is on the prowl in New York checking out a bunch of PS4 stuff. There is a big launch event happening. Uh, Jeff and Brad have flown out uh, to check it out. It's kind of the last sort of controlled look that these companies uh, can sort of exert on on the media, and I think it's also where maybe some stuff is going to get picked up and and brought back to the office. But so while those guys check that out, uh you know, the show does not stop a giant bomb and I am thankfully this morning joined by none other than Jeff Canada, known for acting, podcasting, game playing, showing up in iPhone ads, all <laughs> sorts of things that you are responsible for, Jeff. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for uh thanks for brightening my morning. I was yeah, I you know, it was funny that you know, I just sort of idly mentioned on, on Twitter about bringing on some guests. And I, the people I know the most, the, like my largest index of contacts, are people on the West Coast. But I feel so bad asking people to wake up that early. I know some people do. They got kids or responsibilities. But, like, getting up and, like, being ready to, to chat about games at 730 is sort of the antithesis of what it is when you get in to write about games for a living. is not <laughs> right. being up at the 7 in the point. morning.
1: Yes, the whole point of of getting into that profession is to sleep in. I'm a kind of an early riser anyway, though. So, uh, so I'm yeah, I'm happy to happy to do it.
0: So, why don't we talk a little bit about you know people on Giant Bomb may not be super familiar with uh, your work, but in addition to you know being on Weekend Confirmed every week, you used to be on the Totally Rad Show, which went on mm-hmm. for what? That was like five plus years. That was a long time. Yeah, wasn't
1: it? yeah, it was it was almost six years. Yes, yeah.
0: And then you and then you kind of went on, you, you did a, a Kickstarter uh, mm-hmm. to kind of start your own thing, which was, you know, from the episodes I've watched it, you know, it certainly takes some of the spirit of Totally Rad Show, but that you have, you know, you're, it seems like you're kind of, you're melding a lot of what you were doing before of, it's not just games, you know, it's also movies and comics right. and, and comedy. Um, how how has that been going for you?
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, so Newest, Latest, Best is, the whole goal was to sort of pick up the torch uh, where TRS left off and and take that geek culture show talk show video format uh and uh and move forward and yeah it's it's about all that stuff movies tv shows comic books video games all of it in a big pot and uh i like to call it the ultimate guide to how to spend your free time so it's it's fun and and you were nice enough to uh make a an appearance on that show and and one of the fun things that i like to do with this new version of of that format is to have people on and and recommending stuff at the end of the show. So you had some awesome Halloween recommendations on our Halloween show. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I'm very uh, so- in demand in October, and then outside of October nobody wants to know what I have to say. <laughs> well, you
1: have you have a very,
0: very elite set of skills, sir. And those skills <laughs> are Yeah, I try I try an elite set of skills that are useful 30 days of the year. But, <laughs> you know, there, there was a question someone asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in my Tumblr account that I think, you know, you more than anyone are, are sort of equipped to, to answer is, you know, one of the things that is facing a lot of media these days is there's just not, you know, if you're not Vox Media in sort of the Polygon uh, Verge Empire, there's not yeah. a whole lot of money to go around. Uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult uh, to work in media and, and just find the, the financing to sort of do what you want to do independently and not feel like. You're sort of selling yourself out in the process. And yeah. one of the things that someone brought up was that, well, is, you know, for games, for movies, for music, you know, Kickstarter has turned into – or crowdfunding, you know, maybe more generally – has turned into a possible venue to sort of break out of the traditional funding molds. And that's, that's absolutely something that you did. And I'm, I'm curious why you chose to go to crowdfunding and, and how that has worked out because that puts you in such a direct relationship with the people you are making content for. Yeah, it's it was amazing,
1: and um, it it really it really exceeded my expectations on every level. I, I um, came to the audience and asked for a very small, you know, starter fund to make a pilot, basically. And what happened was we got so much of a response that I'm able to make a lot more episodes than than I originally intended. I really just wanted to make the show as a, an example that I could send out and try to have a more traditional funding model. And the fact that the audience responded in such a, such a powerful way has allowed me to do many more episodes and have much more direct control over it and have that one-to-one relationship with the audience. And a lot of my Kickstarter rewards were like, hang out with me on Skype for a while. And that process of having Skype conversations with people and interacting with them one-to-one has been incredibly rewarding. I can't even begin to tell you how fun and just life-affirming it is to talk to the audience as individuals rather than as a group. Um, It's a double-edged sword because I feel like uh, I'm not anxious to... Keep doing that. I'm not. I don't want to have a Kickstarter every year, for example, to try to keep the show going. I, it's it. It's not something that I think can be a reliable, at least for me, a reliable model because uh, I just don't like begging for money. You know, right. I don't. I don't want to have to keep. I don't want to be PBS. I don't want to have to keep coming to the audience and going, "Are you liking this? Can you send me money?" <laughs> you know, so. I'm really trying to take newest, latest, best, and use that starter money, keep get the show some momentum, and then try to figure out a way to make it sustainable, uh, in in another way. But I could never have gotten even to this point without the support of the audience, which has been absolutely incredible. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think for for a certain aspect of the creative process, it is incredibly. Uh, powerful and is incredibly. Um, it gives you it gives you options, which is great. But uh, it, it's we still have that problem of how does how do you get sustainability? Advertising model are problematic. People don't want to hear ads in their shows. Um, there's as you said, less and less money out there to be spread around, and a glut of content on the internet. So. It's definitely a problem that we're all facing, um, and Kickstarter is a great tool, and I think in that arsenal to connect with your audience and get people invested, uh, not only financially but emotionally in the content that that they want to see. Um, but I don't think it's a
0: a final solution for me, at least. Well, th- that's interesting, and I think I think what you're what you're seeing is you know even you know some developers like Double Fine talking about is that not looking necessarily at at crowdfunding as uh, sort of the end game, but a means to an end, which is right. this solves a very specific problem that, you know, you've spent <clears throat> your career building an audience, and you do. Like, you're doing it right if you feel guilty asking for it. I feel like if there, <laughs> if, there, if you have this humility in, in asking for that help, then, A, I think you've earned the right to maybe do it and see how your audience reacts, but also it means your heart is in the right place, and you haven't, in an industry that goes cynical so fast, and I find yeah. that to be the deepest cut is when someone tells me that I'm sounding cynical is is that that tells me I need to reevaluate you know kind of what I've been doing lately because I feel like you know one of the things that people always say about you is that you are so crazily endlessly positive uh, (laughs) I feel like you are the the model citizen for not allowing citizen for for cynicism to sort of take over uh, as it so easily can when we sort of like get into discussing stuff like games and media.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely look at cynicism as my enemy. Um, but I don't, I, th- I think people can confuse that with being, um, Pollyanna or, or, uh, unobjective, which I definitely, uh, I'm not trying to be either. I, I'm not trying to be universally, uh, positive in the sense that I can't see flaws in things. I, I, I think that the, my body of work shows that I'm definitely willing to uh, call spade a spade. I will be critical when it's necessary. But I, I think that the difference, w- the way I define cynicism is prejudging. And I think that it's okay to make judgments. It's okay to be quote-unquote negative about things in the sense that if you find flaws in things, it's okay to call them out. It's about wanting to come into the experience and liking it the the goal is to find joy in in this stuff it's a hobby after all and i i always think about it like when when i see an, an a flaw in something when something doesn't grab me or when i end up not liking the experience i'm disappointed i'm disappointed it's not like you know what? I knew that game was gonna suck, and you know what? It sucked. It, it, <laughs> that to me is cyn- cynical. You know, right, it's, right, right. It's I was hoping to have a great experience with this, and unfortunately, the game let me down. And here's why, uh, or the movie, or the TV show, or whatever it is. And I think that's a really critical difference because if you come if you come into the to the relationship with the piece of media as hoping that it it Satisfies you on a whole bunch of levels. Your, your, I think your head is in the right place, and I think the audience responds. That's why we do this stuff. That's why we pay money to go to the movies. That's why we buy video games. We want to be entertained, and I think reminding ourselves that it's entertainment, especially in the environment we're in in the next couple of weeks, in the last few months, which is these consoles coming out and everybody feeling like they it's, need it's to. Rough fight. It's rough yeah, out there. It's rough out there. I, I, I. <laughs>
0: I tweeted out, uh, you know, even as someone that, you know, did a TED Talk recently about how you should engage with discourse and and not allow sort of the toxicity. to Which was awesome, by the way. Thank you. Fantastic job. Man, I was so impressed. I I still, I don't, you know, I think YouTube needs to get a lot of its tools under control before I even recommend people look at YouTube. I think it has a lot of really specific problems. But I, I couldn't help but screenshot and tweet out this. This one comment that was in, um, so there's a bunch of uh, new Xbox One commercials going out, and one is with uh, former Bear Brian Urlacher and former Raven uh, uh, Ray Lewis. Uh, And in the comments, uh, this one guy, Bob Mitt, writes, here's a link to the official PlayStation 4 Perfect Day commercial. Go check that link out. You can decide which console is built for gamers, not NFL nerds. And like the ultimate irony in reading that statement, I feel like encapsulates how crazy a lot of this has become, and like yeah. sort of the distance that we have lost from you know I think you know you know just playing the games and and getting to enjoy that. And I think we're, we're so close to yeah. that, and, and at least this weekend, you know, you had a chance to you had a chance to go play some games, and I did. from all accounts, BlizzCon is sort of like the ultimate love fest uh, when it comes to. A community coming together so you know what was uh what was blizzcon like this weekend it was
1: blast man i i love blizzcon it as you said it is a very positive fun show there's tons of cosplay there's people uh you know uniting across from all across the country and the globe of like you know we're in this guild together on wow and i've never met you face to face and now finally i have and we're like hanging out and going to dinner it's that kind of environment and spirit and and joy that's palpable as you walk around the floor Uh, but also blizzard brought it they had some great announcements it looks like they're really doing some awesome stuff to reinvigorate a couple of their brands including wow and diablo Um, reaper of souls plays great and they have some incredible ideas on how to reinvigorate that game and and make make questing more fun you know taking the auction house out is just sort of step 1 of what they're doing this new adventure mode in reaper of souls is really clever and fun and and the new class that's going to be in that um in that expansion was playable there on PS4 in fact uh and it was was a blast uh the new expansion for wow looks awesome and has a lot of really cool features like player housing and then you're looking at stuff like Here's the Storm, which is their MOBA, and, uh, you know, Blizzard, it's hard to bet against Blizzard in a a space like MOBAs where it's really crowded already. um, It's hard to bet against Blizzard because they have put so much time and effort into making that game awesome, and they have some really clever ideas, like your entire team levels at the same time rather than individual people leveling, so you can sort of get, if you keep dying over and over, you kind of get left behind. Right, 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 right. and, and Hearthstone. Hearthstone was, I think, one of the biggest surprises for me this year in, in the gaming space because I adore that game. I'm a huge fan of tabletop anyway, and I love uh, collectible card games. And Hearthstone is doing so many things right, and it was great to see at BlizzCon how much the company is putting behind that game. It's not a side project at all. It, this is a huge major product that they're putting a lot of energy and time into, and I think it's going to Explode when it comes out of beta. It's it's just fun right away, and I've been playing a ton of it in beta, and I love it. So it was a a really fun weekend.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard people have endlessly positive things to say about Hearthstone, and I think you know I spend so much time all day long on a computer playing games. You know, doing doing my job. What I got most excited was that you know. I don't play a lot of card games, but this seems like this is a card game that almost anyone can enjoy, even if they don't have a whole lot of experience with, with sort of like that genre or not, not that much into tabletop. When they yeah. announced the iPad version, like that's sort of like when it went off in my head. It's like yeah. if I can be sitting around sort of catching up on a crappy TV show that I'm only watching because I feel some sort of compulsive need to keep watching it. Like playing Hearthstone seems like the perfect uh, addition to that experience, and it seems like it could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, they announced iOS and Android versions at the, at the show, so it's going to be on everything. And I think they even said they're working on a Windows uh, OS version for tablets. Yeah, um, It's perfect for that. It plays fast. It's easy. You can get in and get out. It's a free-to-play game, and it has microtransactions, but it was interesting. In their talk, they showed that of the top-tier players in the beta of their, what they call the three-star master uh, ranking. 44% of the people at that level have not paid a single penny into the economy. So yeah. it's a game you can you can play for free. You really can play it for free. Um, so it's not like a lot of trading card games um, where it feels like, you know, your success is based on how much money you put into it.
0: Right, yeah, and that's 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 definitely sort of like at the heart of, I think, for like the core gamer dilemma when it comes to this free-to-play stuff is because it's so new – we almost don't even know how to judge what's good and what's bad. So, like, I'm playing... Uh, I got addicted over the weekend to uh, the, like, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Um, oh, that yeah. Put out on iPhone and iPad. And, and that game's free, and it has microtransaction hooks. And the one that... I, I got over sort of the cooldown stuff pretty quickly. I get that that's, you know... Some of the hooks you just accept because, obviously, they need to make money. But the ones that I have trouble reconciling um, are... So when you finish a battle, you get random drops, and those random drops can be used to upgrade your team and, and to heal, you know, team members that have gone down in, in the middle of a match. But it allows you to connect to your Facebook account and get greater drops if you connect to Facebook. Oh um, so you're getting you're getting you know drops and rare drops on you know on the regular just fine, and those feel like they come out at a regular place that I that I wasn't feeling uh, sort of alienated by the business model. But yeah. the moment they said well, you could get an extra health pack if you connect to Facebook and post it to your wall. That's the moment that it got, it got gross for me. And that's yeah. where I can't – like the game could be perfectly balanced and it's only there to make it easier or for players that want to engage in a more you know, social structure that is pasting mm-hmm. to, their, to their media accounts. But that was like an immediate red flag to me that made me want to just delete the game. Yeah. because, because if, now you if, feel like a whore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I and yeah. I, I just can't ju- like I just don't have enough experience, and that's why I need to start playing more of these, is to get a better sense of what actually is gross and what is just part of this new way of designing games, because it's such a new field that I can't. It's it's easy to feel like it's all gross and to want to not engage with any of it, but I feel like it's clearly so popular that I I just I, you have to get in there and get a better sense of what is actually working and isn't working so that we can better judge it as opposed to just sort of across the board saying it doesn't work for me. Because that's clearly not the case. Free-to-play is going to stay, and it's just a matter of, you know, if Blizzard can show concrete data that the top-tier players are not buying things, that seems to reflect that you shouldn't, if you do want to buy stuff, go for it, but that you don't have to if you want to be competitive. And I, I think that if they can show that through data, that's way more compelling to me. Yeah, I agree, and and I, I totally see where you're coming from on the Facebook thing. I mean, it, when you
1: it's one thing to give my money to something, it's another thing to give my voice. And I think yes. asking people to sell their voice, which is you know my personal Facebook page of where I put my thoughts and feelings, whatever, uh, I think that you're right. It does feel gross. Um, I got really into Card Hunter uh, a while back, and it's a f- fantastic game. That's the but browser you, one, right? Yeah, Browser Bay, really cool brilliant combat system, elegantly designed, fun, has a funny um, kind of theme to it, really great. But even that game, at a certain point, I was like, just let me buy it. I just want to buy it. Can I just buy this experience and play it? I don't want to, you know, they keep dangling extra loot. It's like, well, if you were paying your subscription fee, you'd be getting this loot in addition to the loot you already got. And then I was like, well, at a certain point, it, I, I, f- I always feel with these free to play games that I get to this me- I'm, I start playing this meta game with the designers mm. where I'm seeing how much of the game I can play without giving you money. So now I'm now I'm trying to game the system by seeing how far I can go without spending any any dollars. Where if your game was just twenty bucks or thirty bucks outright, I, and I was playing a demo, I'd be like, "This is awesome! Buy! I would right. do it." But the fact that it's, like, this constant dangling of another thing that I could be buying, now I'm starting to challenge myself to not spend any money on it. And I I don't know if that's productive. I really don't. But then you see the stats on, on how much some of these free-to-play games make, and you can't argue with them for wanting to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Plants for Zombies 2 is where this kind of came to a flashpoint where you, you know, I think for... For the most part, uh, you know, a lot of people that are really into you know, core games can kind of ignore a lot of the free to play stuff. But it's when it starts sort of converging. And Plants for Zombies is like that perfect casual slash core that everyone can kind of get behind game. And it sparks yeah. like a really huge, interesting discussion uh, about you know sort of the free to play model and had their, you know, no one's going to begrudge EA and PopCat for wanting to do a free to play version. But I think the sentiment from a lot of people was had there just been a 15 or 20 dollar in-app purchase that was here's the full game, balanced out, you don't have to worry about anything else. We'll shut off all of the dangling, we'll shut off all of the ads. Yeah. I think a lot of people would have bought into that, but then you're right, when you actually look at the spreadsheets, they find that that you know, that would turn off a valve for them that isn't right. worth it financially. And that's, you know, that's that's where it gets really complicated and I think that's where people rightfully so just start kind of ignoring the business model you know it's an uphill battle you know if it's the money is there but you know it is one spot where i don't necessarily blame people to be cynical because it's almost the business model itself is sort of constructed on cynicism to begin with well yeah i mean at a
1: certain point these games are constructed as a psycho psychology experiment rather than a game it's like you know we know exactly the the human buttons to push that make you want to push the button to buy right <laughs> No, it's it, it, and it yeah, there is a cynicism in, in that design. And you can never – it's it's hard to know where the designer's headspace was at in a certain certain respects. Because sometimes you feel like, oh, man, they just wanted to create this sort of system and it happened to work with that particular business model. And then other times it feels like, wow, they worked backwards from the business model, you know? Right. And, and
0: it's, it's unfortunate. So are you a guy that is still – playing wow are you one of those people that you know the new expansion comes out and it's like okay well i'm signing back up i'm going back in
1: yeah i mean i i played mists and uh got to the end game and played the last patch and just just canceled my account because i was like "Ah, i i have new consoles are coming i can't ah." um but uh but yeah I'm, i'm definitely a level 95 guy and and so yeah i'm 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 in I mean, at like, at least
0: you're smart enough to cancel your account. I remember a story of Garnett Lee telling me, or maybe it was on a podcast. This is years and yeah. years ago. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of people have sort of fallen off, you know, or maybe come back for a month when these new expansions come out. But uh, he was one of many people that, when they thought about it, realized that Wow had just become like a Netflix account, which is. Maybe something you don't use as often as you can justify that monthly purchase right. but it just sort of is something that's on your statement every month and you just never quite get around to canceling it yeah no I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not into that I mean I've definitely had a wow account longer
1: than I should have at certain points, but it, they make it so easy to sign back up i I feel like I can just cancel it if I'm not playing for a couple of months and uh, but yeah, the new expansion looks awesome, and uh, I will definitely be playing that when it comes out. Who knows when that will be?
0: But yeah. so, are, do you go back for the game, or do you go back for the social experience? Because I feel like increasingly, when I talk to people that are still playing that, you know, they're you know they're obviously interested in the new content, but that there is a whole lot more to the reason they're coming back than it is sort of like you know the gameplay loop uh, or or you know enjoying you know upgrading their character as is as, as the case with a lot of other games.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little of both. It tends for me, it tends to be the case where uh, when I go back to the game, it's like, "Hey, let's all go back to the game." You know, I, with those core guys that I play WoW with. Um, but I'm, we're definitely all going back because we want to. We want to experience the new stuff. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, the game, is, and some especially with MMOs, there's a a definite benefit to leaving it for a while and coming back to it and with a game like wow that's been around for nine years now and i played it at launch um (laughs) when you you know when you haven't played it for six months or eight months or a year and you come back it's like oh yeah it's this comfortable shoe that i remember and i really enjoy it and and you feel like you're returning to a place
0: that you have nostalgia for and um, it's kind of comfort food like game like gaming comfort food it's like you know what it is it changes, but it doesn't change that much. It changes just enough to keep it interesting, but not enough that it it's not the thing that you, you know you wanted when you signed up for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the same experience people have,
1: like loading up Super Mario Bros. 2 on virtual console or something. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, my God, I remember having fun. And then with an MMO, it's like I remember all that fun, plus there's these new things
0: to explore and new quests to do and all that stuff. Interesting. I've... I feel like I, I'm in this weird thing where I've never really played WoW, despite the fact that I feel like I should have to at least like say you know one way or the other whether I liked it or not. But then it got so deep. It's like the equivalent of like a show being seven seasons in. And it's like ah, it's too much. Well, like I, one I can't. Of the,
1: the big features of the new new expansion is you can start a new character at ninety. See
0: that just That's... sounds terrifying. Like then I don't, don't don't I have to figure out a skill tree for up to ninety or can, well, can I just hit like recommended, this is mm-hmm. what I want my character to be?
1: Well, there's plenty of websites that'll show you exactly where to put your skill points, and the new way the skill trees work in WoW makes it much simpler and less scary. It's it's uh, it, The game has become, to the chagrin of a lot of the hardcore WoW people, it has become much more accessible to new players uh, in recent years. It, it, they have done a whole bunch of things to make it really easy to to pick up. So if you're Interested. It's certainly no better time than with this new expansion.
0: Ah, all right. Put a little dollar account up in the corner of your screen. <laughs> sold, yeah. me, sold me on a month. Um, <laughs> one one thing before we move on from BlizzCon, I definitely want to ask you about um, is you know they we got some of the first real details about uh, the Duncan Jones film uh, that is coming out in in 2015. Um, I don't know if you were at the panel or not, but yeah, either well, way. Like what? What is your set? Like, are you are you psyched for Duncan Jones? Do you think he this is going to be sort of a slam dunk? Because this is such a different thing for his work. But I also feel like if you've seen Moon and Source Code is absolutely in his wheelhouse, and he seems like he's set up to hit it out of the park.
1: Well, the the coolest thing about that panel was to hear how much of a fanboy Duncan Jones is. Like he played uh, Warcraft Orcs versus Humans. I mean, he's he's been there since the beginning and loves Warcraft has, you know, 290 characters he's he's in. Uh and there really wasn't a lot of info at the panel. Um it was basically a bunch of guys sitting around going, "Hey guys, the movie's real, it's really happening. <laughs> we love the game and we're going to make sure the the movie's good." That's about as much information and they didn't really have much to share. They showed some concept art which looked cool. And they talked about sort of the basis of the storyline, which will be kind of a origin story of how the orcs versus humans conflict began, which is a cool thing, but I think kind of predictable as far as the film goes. Um, But yeah, it was basically just, we want to assure you, the biggest Blizzard fans on the planet, that we are taking this seriously. There's a big budget and we all want this this to be good and also uh, honoring the source material. And and I think that it seemed to me that Duncan Jones in particular is uniquely suited for that job, and I really liked both of his previous movies. Um, and I think he, I think he's ready to step up and, and do something on that scale. And he, you know, he referenced Peter Jackson, he referenced um, uh, Game of Thrones. He he has all the right, he hit all the right notes. You know,
0: I mean, he seems like he's following the pattern of a lot of other sort of uh, smaller. You know, smart independent filmmakers that are making like really nerdy smart films where they kind of get plucked up, you know, like the guy Garth Edwards who's doing, you know, the new Godzilla is in a similar situation where it's like they they do something really smart and small, prove that they can do really interesting things with like zero budget at all, and then just get immediately brought up to the major leagues. um, Which almost.
1: My uh, my old co-host Dan Trachtenberg is the same story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Film. Why why the Last Man? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great comic series. Like I don't don't read a whole lot of comics, but uh, I read that one start to finish. Um, It seems like a real natural for for a film or or series. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's Duncan seems like you know the arc of the movies he's worked on. You know, Moon was you know, Source Code managed to show that he can make a more mainstream film without it sort of losing sort of its intelligence you know obviously yeah. it's not it's not as sort of in love with itself uh as as moon was but it's also you know it had a different aim it was aiming to be a more you know mainstream you know studioized sort of film but didn't feel like it lost what what duncan jones sort of brings to those sorts of films so that's why mm-hmm. i think he is uniquely set up for world of warcraft and the only question now is i have to wonder they must be seriously rethinking that release date because oh yeah, definitely. there's no it's, way it's coming out on the same day as Star Wars. Like, there's no way. No way. But I will. You know what? It's so against how this definitely gets handled. I loved that Duncan was on Twitter immediately, just taking pot shots, like in a really fun <laughs> way, but just saying like, "Bring it on, JJ! Bring it on, Jedi's!" Like, because he must know, like immediately that his movie's probably getting moved to you know the next summer or something like oh, yeah. that. But, yeah, um, there's no way. But that's yeah, it's it's, it's funny and charming and and
1: uh, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, the one of the other things that they mentioned at the panel that I think is a really interesting take is that they want to create a a situation where the human, it, you know, it's going to be orcs versus humans primarily. Uh, they want to create a situation where both storylines are given equal weight, and you're not. It's not the humans are the good guys and the orcs are the bad guys. It's that. Uh, You know, you're getting sort of a Civil War, um, you know, uh, red or excuse me, uh, gray versus blue where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing what motivates each side and you can sort of pick your allegiance, which is cool. I think that's a that's an interesting way to to freshen up the fantasy genre because you've never seen it from the perspective of the quote unquote monsters, you know, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked that. He said, yeah, that's the first thing he came in with the the script and said, hey, it can't be you know you could do that and but then at that point it just becomes about the spectacle and right. you know we we've got enough of those movies i'm sure he would do a great job of 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 conveying the spectacle but that seems like the easy route out whereas if you can yeah. make you know the two sides compelling and interesting and if you can feel bad for these ugly orcs then that seems like maybe you've got a chance at you know making a movie that transcends just being a fun fantasy film yeah. um, and so yeah i'm curious to see where that where that goes he duncan jones uh Following me on Twitter was the, the like, first time in a long time where I've had a complete meltdown about how to handle myself <laughs> on the internet. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I'm sure this is Gary Witta's fault. And, the, and then also the irony in that Gary had worked on a World of Warcraft script at some point. Uh, my, my world is collapsing upon itself. I'm just nerdy enough that I had that
1: experience when Renner Kanizia followed me. Um, oh wow! hurt. You know who that is? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: He followed me, and I was like, "Renner
1: Kniezia following
0: me." <laughs> 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 well, that just becomes this moment of like, I guess I can't talk about David Bowie on Twitter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so how are how are you feeling? We're we're in the you know, video game next gen is upon us. Um, how are you feeling going into this stuff? Are you getting both consoles? Are you are you psyched? Okay, so you're you're gonna cover all your bases. You're not gonna wait yeah. till the spring. Um, so, but are you? I know well, I, I would recommend some... other people to do
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've been <laughs> I telling most
0: people, you know, if you're gonna get one, get a PS4. I think that you know that lines up with my my sort of like I I play plenty of AAA games, but you know I certainly fall in these days in the more personalized independent crowd. Like I like games with very specific voices and Sony is doing a good job of lining a lot of that stuff up, you know, ultimately if you want the best of everything, go get a PC, but right. you know, that's certainly not an option, you know, uh, financially for some people, there's a lot of upkeep in, in the PC stuff though, you know, as I've learned getting into PC in the last six months or so, not as much as people I think make you think there is, uh, right. especially if you've got a friend that can help you out through those initial stages. But, um, so I know there was the Amazon deal over the weekend for some people that had pre-ordered games. Like, yeah. What are you, What are you actually buying for? Because it's one thing, of course, you're going to buy the machine, but mm-hmm. then you got to get games for it. So what? Do, where are you falling on that? Well, the
1: game I'm most excited about, honestly, is Resogun. I think that <laughs> that game looks like the most fun I'll be having. It's kind of like when the 360 launched, and the game I was playing the most was Geometry Wars. Yep. Um. But but I I definitely took advantage of the uh, Amazon deal. I I picked up uh, Assassin's Creed Four. Uh, Killzone and Knack. Um, knack, na- huh? Knack. I, yeah, I was not, uh, not... I'm not 100% sold on Knack, but I'm going to give it a shot, and, and I hope it's awesome. I want uh, it I hope... to be great. I'm, I was,
0: we, we had a conversation uh, about this on the show last week, where if I went back and played Cameo on Xbox 360, I probably... It's probably not very good, but I had a lot of fun with that game at launch. So did I. At launch. I really enjoyed Cameo. I thought it was, that it was charming. It was pretty. It kind of got the job done of helping me feel okay about that initial launch slate, yeah. especially when you played Perfect Dark Zero and it was terrible. Right. Um, so it's not like I expect Knack to be like Super Mario 64, but right. I, I saw some of the co-op footage and, you know, I like it when I can find games to play with my wife, especially to justify a $500 purchase. Um, and if Knack could fill that role of having a reason to sit down with my wife and play through a game, uh that would be worth the $60. So I'm just hoping for a solid game. It looks kind of boring right now, but I'm hoping that yeah. maybe just the videos aren't aren't selling it in the way that it might.
1: Well, what I played at E3 of it, I'm sure you played at E3 as well, uh, did not uh, wow me. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that it, uh, you know, it, it has a good pedigree and I'm hoping that it's uh, a lot of fun. And as you said, I I really liked Cameo. I've always hoped for a sequel to Cameo. I just don't sound like it's going to happen, but um, yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it. And I hope it, if it, is as good an experience as that was i'll be completely happy um so yeah it's interesting though that you referenced uh super mario 64 because um nintendo got uh their games out early uh, and to me and um
0: mm-hmm. oh you have zelda i have zelda oh, you bastard <laughs> and i and i have uh, uh super, super mario 3d world games. ah yeah. you're a monster i'm turning off the show <laughs>
1: oh my god I apologize that I'm actually not allowed to talk about them in detail yet but um,
0: can you tease can you tease I
1: interface? will tell you this if any of the new new console games are even remotely as fun as those two games I will be shocked <laughs> I will be shocked um, because uh, I think that ironically all the all the hullabaloo is about these these you know other two companies and there's this third company that's putting out Incredible games this this holiday season. On the same day that the Xbox One comes out, two games.
0: Um, yeah, and, that's, November twenty second uh, is nasty. It's the Xbox yeah. One launch. Um, it's it's Zelda. It's Mario. And then the game that I know no one's going to play, but I I I'm going to go to bat for it, and I hope it's as good as I'm hoping it is. Uh, but Tearaway also comes out. On that oh yeah. Day, and I Tearaway was my favorite game out of E three. Um, and this comes from somebody that. Hated, not hated. That's a strong word, but strongly disliked the platforming physics of Little Big Planet to the point that it ruined my enjoyment of that game. Despite it mm. thinking was incredibly charming and so fresh, and like I really love Media Molecules' approach. But as a guy that's a, a big platforming guy, I just I, I couldn't reconcile the the floatiness and Tearaway just it looks just in the same way that Mario 3D World does. Just so charming and so mm. cute, and just it makes you smile the the entire time that you're playing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I it's frightening to me to to think that they might be sending that game away to die uh, yeah. on that oh. date. It's uh yeah. It's it's got some stiff competition, that's for sure. But hopefully it finds its audience. I'm definitely excited to play it too. I really loved it at E3 as well and
0: um yeah, yeah, I, I'm rooting for it. Um all right, well let's uh let's go over some of the so we covered BlizzCon. Let's see if we can go over some of the uh the news. There's not a whole lot, so people in the chat um, want to start dropping some questions for for Jeff and I. Uh, once we walk through some of this, we will we'll answer some of those before we uh, bring the show to a close. But uh, I wondered if you, in between attending BlizzCon, saw some of the madness of early consoles getting out to various yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, crazy. There was I didn't a, watch th- any
1: of the videos of, of, of unboxings or anything. I feel I feel like I want that experience for myself.
0: yeah we're this close like Uh, that's some of the some of the the leaks don't it's not that exciting because you kind of want that excitement for yourself when you when that box shows up are you getting it from amazon i assume you're probably getting everything from amazon yeah that's what i'm doing too um but i you know i thought it was this what was interesting about the xbox one stuff was it's this classic pr blunder in which probably security and network protocols ran into exactly what PR, you know, doesn't want to happen, which was a guy got a console early from Target, not his fault. Target screwed up, you know, sent it out early. And this guy is really excited for it. He's psyched for the new Xbox. Like he's doing God's work in terms of viral marketing. Like you cannot (laughs) pay for this stuff uh, to get it come across this authentic. And they ended up banning his account, Um, which, you know, when you start to think about the logic of how that happens, it's like they you know, they're working on a day one patch, they're still working on back end stuff, they're trying to control some of the message. So when someone just sees an Xbox One go live in some random part of the country, that IP isn't flagged, that gamer right. tag isn't flagged, it makes sense that someone just goes beep and, and turns right. that off. Even yeah. though if everyone got in a room together and talked about it, they probably would have concluded, let the guy go. You know, he's right. he's selling consoles for us. You know, right. we, you know, Major Nelson isn't selling any consoles to anyone when he says, "I love Xbox One," but this random guy <laughs> with forty yeah. Twitter followers is probably getting people psyched up about their purchase um, right right so i thought it I thought it was nice that at least they you know Microsoft reached out, said he's not permaband, it's just a temporary thing until you know we get to launch, and they're going to fly him out you know to the to the Xbox One launch event. You know, whichever one is is near him, and that seems about as as good as a story as those can kind of end. Um, for something that I imagine on a for a corporation is just a complete nightmare about how you deal with.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of like uh, you know some comedy movie where the the guy is dealing with a little kid, and he's like, "You, f- little joy, little I love you." <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, uh, it's like I'm gonna keep hug you you're so because you know? <laughs> they're looking um, at that embargo sheet and they're just like they're they're ripping their hair out as this guy is like yeah. running through the dashboard they're <laughs> they're they're he's putting up like file sizes for like the different download games and yeah. it's just yeah and it's actually one of the things i have to commend sony for is that they have they're also a corporation too and they're a japanese corporation that has its own eccentricities and its own weirdness you know And they come across as a company that is very nimble, um, Mm -hmm. even though that is probably not true. It's probably more calculated, but, you know, it's always about appearances. If you can appear to be nimble, um, then, you know, then it seems like you are, even if you aren't. And Microsoft just seems, you know, you watch these situations play out, you can just see the corporate grinds just like, you can see the gears just going as this stuff kind of comes together. and, And it's too bad. They just don't seem to be set up in a way that they can embrace this stuff in a way that, that Sony somehow seems able to.
1: Which is ironic because last generation, it seemed like Sony had that problem with, you know, they're trying to roll out media stuff. And it's like, you are a media company. You should be able to do this. And they were having all these problems, like one hand not knowing what the other hand is doing, you know, trying to set up a online movie store. And it's like, you you, you make movies. You're a company that makes movies. You should be able to do this. and And they were the ones, last generation, who it seemed like, couldn't couldn't uh, you know were too big and bulky and and cumbersome to get out of their own way uh, and now and now they seem like the nim- nimble ones and Microsoft feels like the big bohemoth yeah you know?
0: I mean it's you know it's it's a cycle right you know you, yeah. you, you you know company does well you become arrogant you become less nimble and then sort of the cycle continues you know I think the yeah. the real question going into to this generation is you know just how much money is there for everyone to go around? You know, is the Wii U an anomaly? Is the Wii U completely, you know, is it not doing well only because Nintendo bungled some very key things like messaging and having quality software in the first year? Um, you know, problems that hit other platforms too. Um, but, you know, I think you know it's going to be really key to see what happens once uh, sort of, you know, the launch is, you know, everything's going to sell out. That's just the nature of the amount of money pumped into this, the amount of hype Mm -hmm. that's going into it. You know, the real, you know, telltale sign is what happens in the spring and next Christmas. You know, if things are slow and not chugging along, maybe the Wii U wasn't an anomaly, and maybe, you know, the amount of money that Google and Apple have siphoned off from these consoles, you know, is a lot more than people realize. That's $600 that people spend you know, every yeah. five, six years on a new console, that money is actually going into, you know, an iPad mini, which, you know, that's, that's sort of its own thing that's launching in the middle of all of this uh, is, yeah. is a brand new iPad, even if, you know, it's obviously going to be supply constrained, uh, you know, obviously that's going to sell out too.
1: Right. Yeah. And and it's, it's something we talk about a lot and we can confirm and it. it's it's uh, certainly you can make a case that if there's, you know, there's, kids want to play games, they can play them on a, on a tablet and a parent can justify a tablet purchase in a lot of other ways than they can a console in the sense that, well, they can take it with them. It can, they can do their homework on it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a much more varied use case device than, than a console is. So yeah, I, I I think it's, I think it's definitely clear that, uh, that those are in, if not direct competition, they're in tangential competition, and, and I think that that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, and actually, uh, Orange Tory in the chat brings up a, a question that kind of leaps off from this, that, that I'm curious what you think. He says, despite all the excitement, what if PS4 and Xbox One sales are lackluster like the Wii U, what do you think happens next?
1: Wow. Uh, I That would be really scary for the industry, I think. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of companies making strong bets on on those consoles and you see i don't remember there ever being a console launch like this one where what 90% 95% of the games that you can buy on the, on the new consoles you can also buy on the old consoles mm-hmm. um and that is purely from a numbers that's a numbers game these Third parties that want to hit their numbers for these these big franchises like Battlefield and Assassin's Creed and uh, Call of Duty, they need install base. They need install base, and if you don't have that, and you aren't going to ever get that, that's a really terrifying prospect for the industry. And it's it it's the kind of thing that leads to uh, a real, I think, different kinds of games being made and a real reevaluation of of the industry. I don't think it's going to happen. But it would be uh, pretty scary stuff.
0: Yeah, I think I think I don't think there's a question that there is less money to go around. I think it's more of an, a a question of what you know what are the long term impacts and the how does that change the dynamics of how games are made as a result of that? And you just, you see that you see them uh, trying to position themselves in ways to get money in other places. It's why you know I you know Microsoft's made all sorts of really colossal errors in in rolling this out and selling this to its sort of core audience. But I also haven't blamed them for really doubling down and going deep into all sort of these ancillary stuff. You know, I I watch a lot of football. I know you do too, and you can't watch a Sunday night football game without seeing Xbox One ads. And I yeah. haven't seen a single PS4 one. And mm-hmm. it's part of that's because they have a partnership with the NFL and they're integrating all that stuff. And you know, if that stuff works like I'm going to use that. Like yeah. it's unfortunate this year that, you know, I don't I don't use nfl.com for fantasy football. I use Yahoo and ESPN like the most of the world. Um, <laughs> but if I could have my my leagues updating in real time while I'm switching, you know, between, between like the Red Zone channel, like yeah. that sounds that sounds fucking amazing. Like I would be really yeah. into something like that. And yeah, I think that's where Microsoft has has made these bets and done just a, a really poor job of communicating the other stuff. You know it's doing. You know you've got your Titan Falls and things like that, and it's sort of you know it said no, we need to do this in order to stay alive. And Sony's you know sort of making the opposite bet, which is like, well, we're going to have these media stuff in here, but we really want to make sure that the people that have gotten us to this point, you know, they're very happy. And you know how that stuff plays out, I think you know we're going to not see right away, but is going to be super interesting in that in that first year for sure.
1: Yeah, and I and I think the the, the thing that maybe perhaps people aren't. Thinking about when they're they get caught up in this console war stuff, is that neither of these companies are going anywhere. This is a long term play. The, these these consoles aren't in any danger of becoming the Dreamcast. There, nobody's no console is going to stop being manufactured. These are these are consoles that are going to live for years to come, and they are going to evolve over those years. These are made. These products are made in a different way than consoles used to be made they're made as boxes that can be upgraded and changed and um, given new features and features removed and it's all going to morph over the course of five six seven years and the the landscape as we see it now is going to be very different from the end of this console cycle just as the last console cycle is you know very different from the beginning to the end and I think to get caught up in who wins Christmas 2013 or you know which console uh, looks like it has more power now or whatever, I think those are tiny, tiny battles or tiny little blips of information that over the
0: course of the lifespan of these consoles is going to make very little difference. Uh, one of the questions a couple people have asked is, you know, you're, you know, you like me, you're buying both consoles because you, you know, you want to be there day one, you want to kind of be a part of everything. And it's also just to kind of keep up. But if you remove that, you know, if you weren't buying either at launch, and it, you were, you know, being a little more conservative, waiting till there was sort of a, a must buy game, like, mm-hmm. for either of those machines, are, are those, like, are, is there a game out there that would have converted you like in the spring or summer if you were waiting a little bit longer? I mean, I think the
1: easy answer to that is Titanfall. Titanfall certainly looks like the big, new experience that, that looks extremely fun. Um, that and Infamous Second Son, I think, are, are the two games I'm most excited about for e- either console. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest recommendation I can have for people that, you know, want to make the right purchase decision this Christmas is to wait. A lot of this stuff is going to over the next six to eight months. A lot of this stuff is going to settle down. You're going to see announcements for new games, and you're going to there's going to be much more information upon which to make an informed buying decision. And I definitely can recommend a Wii U wholeheartedly right now or a 3DS. Uh, th- those are the two, I think, most exciting games coming out this holiday season. Um, if you want to play something that will definitely be fun for you and your friends and will deliver awesome experiences those are it and you can certainly play all the biggest games i mean other than i think dead rising 3 certainly isn't very intriguing to me i have that pre-ordered as well um so i'm I'm anxious to play that game i think in recent uh previews it has looked much better than it did at e3 and I'm, i'm really excited to get my hands on it but for the most part I think waiting on on if you're especially if you're only going to buy one console, waiting is not a bad choice. It's easy to get caught up in that. Got to have it right now. Um, I certainly am guilty of that. But I think the easiest recommendation I can make is
0: wait and see. All right. Well, the the last question I'll, I'll, I'll pluck from our users is is one very specific for you. Is Bane one two two asks? Could we get the backstory on the corrections officer Jeff played on The Young and the Restless? <laughs> Oh, it would it would take hours to to, to talk through his backstory. I mean, it, he started out as a child, uh, you know. No, it's. Uh. <laughs> but one people, the one thing that people may not realize is that you know, in addition to you know being a face for games and doing you know your you know uh, your own show, like you are, you know, your day job is is a lot of a lot of acting. And I guess if we're going to connect that to games. Like, do you end up talking about games at all on the sets of these things, where a lot of the yeah. stuff you do is is, is sort of. You Know the audiences for a lot of those shows is certainly not, you know, the audiences for people that are watching this.
1: That's true. Uh, I, I, I definitely have had conversations about games uh, on sets before. Um, you know, games are much more mainstream than they've ever been, and people know about them and are talking about them. I always feel like I'm a little undercover when I go and work in Hollywood because rarely do people have, you know, place me in the context of that when I'm there. So Uh, It's one of those things I'm sure you've experienced before too, when you're in mixed company, maybe you're at a family gathering or you're, you're hanging out with people that you only kind of know and somebody will say something that is wildly misinformed about video (laughs) games, you know, and you feel like, do I come in with not the knowledge bomb right now? Or, you know, do, how, how do I handle this? Uh, That tends to happen a lot where it's like, wow, this is, this is, you know, you'll be in like a. A Best Buy or something, and you'll overhear two people talking, and they're just so so wrong about something. Uh, that often happens to me on sets so where it's like, do I do I now out myself as having a really deep knowledge base about this topic? Yeah, do you want to be
0: that guy? Is it worth yeah. it to be that guy? Yeah. Um. And and, I, and I, you know, I think you know, I, I've talked about this on the show before. Is you know, I also think exposing yourself to stuff like that is also super interesting and healthy because it gives you a much a, it gets you out of sort of the bubble, and yeah. and which is so easy to get caught up in because we're all enthusiasts, and it's, it's a lot of fun to talk to people that we can immediately look at and be on the same level and not have to explain a lot, you know, right. sort of the base level knowledge. But it is also interesting to talk to the people that actually – who buy these things, you know, are creating enough money for this stuff to exist. You know, that's not us. You know, we're the enthusiasts. Right. We get buzz going, but we don't justify corporations engaging in these activities and hearing what sticks and what doesn't stick and what people are talking about, what people aren't talking about. Like the talking points that actually make it through to a larger audience. Uh, I, that's what I'm always curious about is like, that's why I love talking to those folks at Best Buy is just getting a sense of like, okay, you're, you're a guy, what have you heard? Like what is stuck yeah. with you? Like you're not checking giant bomb or or Twitter every day for this stuff. Like what, what is, yeah. what are you carrying to best buy when you're thinking about what you're buying? And, and I always find that stuff to be, to re- be really enlightening because the stuff that you maybe think doesn't stick does. And the stuff that we all get wrapped up in has zero bearing on, on what those people are talking about.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And it's so informative to be, uh, to be a fly on the wall in those situations and you realize, yeah, that all the crap that, you know, that NeoGAF thread is just so out of this person's view of the world at completely, you know, it has no bearing on the. So,
0: yeah. So, all right, well, why don't you plug, what do you got going on? This is your, this is your chance to let people know (laughs) what what they got up to, to, to point them elsewhere. Um, So what else do you got going on that you want to let people know about?
1: Well, Weekend Confirmed, of course, is a weekly video game audio podcast uh, we uh, put out every Friday morning. Uh, It's on shacknews.com, myself, Garnett Lee, and a variety of guests every week. Uh, Also, my show, Newest, Latest, Best, is a video show about video games and a lot of other geeky fun stuff. Uh, You can find that on YouTube at the moment, which is how it's being distributed now. Hopefully that will change, but... um, uh my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Kanada Jeff. That's with two N's and one T. And um yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada.
0: Awesome. Well Jeff, this has been super fun. I'm glad that uh start this pattern of waking up my West Coast brethren uh early yeah. in the morning. Um, really appreciate you uh coming on the show and uh, people should follow you on Twitter and follow other stuff if you're interested. And uh, hopefully this has been interesting enough that uh, you'll come back on sometime.
1: Oh, it would be my pleasure. I had a, had a blast. I'm a fan of you and the site, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jeff.